0: Good evening. (laughs) All right. How's everyone doing tonight? Great. All right. I'm gonna open up and pray and we'll get started. Can you pass me that water? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Dear Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, God, for what you're going to do tonight in everyone's life. We thank you, Lord, for the word that it would penetrate people's hearts, and then people would walk away here having a knowledge of your word and a revelation in their hearts of what they need to do to see breakthrough in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit about the subject of praise tonight, and you may have heard my wife. She talked a little bit about it while we were singing and jumping and having fun, but I wanted to talk about praise being a breakthrough weapon in your life and what it can do for you and what doors it can open in your life to see miracles happen because a lot of times we pray to God we we you know we go in prayer we 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 offer up prayers and lord help me in this situation help me in this i need help in this but very seldom and this is something that i had to get a revelation quickly in my life is that very seldom do we ever praise and thank god For the things that he has done. So we're going to go into a story. And we're going to turn to 2 Chronicles. And I'll go ahead and talk a little bit about this before we get started. Because it's a long story and I'm not going to read the whole thing. But there's a king named Jehoshaphat. And he's king of Judea. He's king over the Israelite nation at the time. And... There's three armies that are coming up against him to wipe him off the face of the earth. Three armies that are coming against King Jehoshaphat, who serves God, coming to kick him out. You know, throw him, throw him to the wayside, get rid of his kingdom, and destroy everything he has. So Jehoshaphat here is getting worried because you know you're one nation. It's like a fight against three over one. Very seldom we ever see a winning battle in that. So you have three nations, bigger and stronger than he is, coming against him to attack him. So he's, he's, you know, a little frantic here because, you know, he's got his entire nation that he's got to worry about now that these three armies are coming to kill him. So you have Jehoshaphat, and he takes the whole nation to go and pray and fast before God. So they don't eat. They go on a fast, and they pray. And from that th- for those three days, all they do is sit there and pray and quote scriptures. Lord, didn't you deliver us from the Egyptians' hands? Didn't you do this in our lives? Please come and help us now. And they fast. The animals didn't eat. The people didn't eat. The king didn't eat for three days because they're praying, trying to get God to help them. And this is what they do. We're going to start in 20. And we're going to start at verse 22. Actually, let me start at verse 20. This is when they're going to fight the army. So they prayed, they fasted, and now they're going to go and challenge the three armies coming against them. And it says in verse 20, and they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and he will establish you. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing and to praise the Lord in holy attire as they went before him an army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise God, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. These are the three tribes coming against him who had come against Judea. So they that they were routed and for the men of am and moab rose against the inhabitants of mount seir devoting them to destruction And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of seir, they also helped destroy one another So get this you have three armies that are coming to attack judea Well, two of the armies says well Look at Mount Seir over there. Why don't we just go ahead and kill him? So they completely wipe out Mount Seir, the army of Seir, and they said they were devoted to destroying them. So they wiped this army out completely. Then these two armies, the last two armies, fight against each other, and they end up killing each other. And when did this all happen? It happened when the people of Judea began to sing praises to God, thanking God for the victory. They didn't go into the battle praying, begging on their knees, Lord, help us, Lord, save us, Lord, help me in this situation. They went into battle with trumpets, with music, and singing praises to God, saying, thank you, Lord, that your steadfast love endures forever, and as they praised and marched into the to fight this army, God sent an angel to confuse the armies, and they all killed themselves rather than killing the children of God that's what praise can do in your life that's what praise does when you take it and say Lord I'm going to do what you said sent me to do I'm not going to cry about this situation but I'm giving this situation to you I'm thanking you for what you're doing in my life I'm thanking you God that my praise as I sit here look foolish jump around dance and sing to you that you're going to take care of my problem that my problem will die as I praise and sing to you And that's exactly what this army did. And it says, When Judea came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers good clothing and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. Get this. So the army comes down, and they see Everyone dead, all of the men dead, and they see all the stuff that they had left when they were fighting each other, too busy killing each other. They left a ton of nice things, jewelry, clothing. It said purple linen, which was a very expensive clothing. It would be like someone leaving a $3,000 suit on the ground after fighting, not even touched, leaving nice stuff on the ground for you just to take. And all they had to do was go there and grab it. They didn't have to fight. They didn't have to do one thing, all because of one thing they did to God, and that's praise him for the victory. It wasn't through prayer. It wasn't through them asking God, but it was when they decided to lift their hands and thank God for the victory, God took care of their situation. That's why it's so important that even during praise and worship, when we're up here singing and dancing, I always want to make sure I'm playing this so I really can't jump around a whole lot, But if you see me in another service, I get a little wild. I can get excited because I know what my God has done for me. How many of you know that God has done something in your life, that God has saved you from something, that God has set you free from something? Yeah, we all can sit here and say that. We're all here in here church today. We're all saved, we have all confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's something that we can thank God about now. That we are in church. Our lives are turned around, that we are going to heaven, that we our lives have changed, that we have seen good things come into our life just from serving God. That's a testimony in itself. I'm gonna turn to first Samuel. This is about King David. And I'm going to go give a brief, very brief thing over his entire life and what he did. Did you know even now that the biggest and nicest hotel in all of Israel is still called, in Jerusalem now, it's still called the King David's Hotel. It's a seven-star hotel in Jerusalem. Did you know that? And it's named after a man who reigned over um, Jerusalem thousands and thousands of years ago. And and here, and you know, it, it really struck me interesting. How can one man have an impact. Thousands and thousands of years later, after he died, he's gone. He, he's been dead for 4,000 years, but then the impact that he leaves behind for us is still in remembrance today, where people still recognize him as the first king of Jerusalem, but he wasn't. There was another king before him, but he is recognized as the first king, and he did certain things that provoked God to bless him his entire life. So we're going to start. This is after God had rejected the king before him named King Saul. And Samuel is going to David. He's going to anoint him as king because God said, there's a king that I want you to go anoint. He's in the house of Jesse. So I want you to go find this guy, and I want you to go anoint him because he's going to be the next king. So Samuel's like, all right. So I'll go to him. And he ends up um, finding Jesse. And I'm going to start at verse 5. And it says, And he said peaceably I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come with me to sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to sacrifice. When they came he looked on Eliab and thought. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel do not look on his appearance. Or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel and said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shemiah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all of your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, But he is taking care of the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sat and brought him. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from the day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now you see here, David is a shepherd boy. He takes care of sheep. Back in this time, sheep were a big deal. You could shave them. You could take their wool, make clothing. They, I mean, sheep taste good. I like lamb. So you can eat them. So, um, so they had kind of a big purpose during this time because it was a way of life. So David is out tending the sheep. He's watching sheep in the field. And it said that David was a man after God's own heart. And it talks about how he wrote songs in the field to God, how he sang praises and wrote to God while he was watching the sheep. So you have David, a young man, Probably about 14 years old, sitting here taking care of the sheep, not even realizing that a prophet is at his house uh, trying to find him, because he, he wants to anoint. God wants to anoint him as king. So Samuel, the prophet of God, you got to realize this is like a this is like the big deal back at this time. Samuel's like the high prophet. And the kings were scared of this guy, so he's at this guy's house, and this and Samuel looks and says. Surely, Eliab, this, this guy, he's a good-looking guy. He's about six foot four. He's got a nice beard. He's well-built. This must be the next king. And God says, no, I haven't chosen him. He doesn't, know because his heart isn't right for me. Remember Saul? Saul had the same issue. He was good-looking. He looked like he would make the best king in the world. But because his heart was far from me, because his heart was not towards me, I have rejected him as the king of Israel. So you have David over here who doesn't even know Samuel's at his house. And he's, I could imagine, he's probably just out singing and watching the sheep. And then his brothers come and get him, David, there's someone at the house. He wants to see you. Well, who is it? It's Samuel, the prophet of God. Oh, well, that's kind of a big deal. So David runs back to the home. And they, they, he looks at them, and God says, anoint him, for this is the next king that I have chosen. So you see, Samuel, after that, anoints David. But there's one key element that David did that none of his brothers did, and that was praise God in, in the field. He gave worship to God. He sang praises to God in his own time. He developed a heart of worship towards God. Even when everyone else had rejected him. Even when no one else thought he was worth anything. He wasn't worth a grain of salt. His dad didn't even look at him that way. Imagine this. Your own dad doesn't think you're worth anything. But because God has your uh, his eye on you, then you're going to be used. He's going to. He has a purpose for you. And it all comes from your heart. When you have a heart of praise, God wants to use you. No matter your life circumstances, no matter where you came from, God's going to use you because your heart is in a right place. That is why it's so important for our heart to be ready and our heart to be receiving God. And our heart needs to be filled with God. Because even in this situation where no one thought he would be worth anything, his brothers didn't think anything of him, his dad didn't think anything of him, Samuel, the prophet of God, didn't think anything of him, he, he, again, out in the field, not even noticed, but because God saw his heart, he was chosen as the next king. You may not even be recognized to anyone, but God has a purpose for you greater than you can see yourself in. God has a purpose for you that he wants to take you and elevate you above everyone else, above your family, above people around you above your community people that you may have known that they the teacher said they would go far people that said that they they're gonna make it you're not gonna go anywhere though you will make it past them because your heart's for god you have set your mind on god and you are not leaving him god will take you and raise you up above everyone else that's what god wants to do for you through his heart for god nothing else he was a shepherd boy No talent in the field playing his harp. That's it. Wasn't a warrior, didn't fight men, didn't have a diploma, didn't graduate, 14 years old, but because God said, I'm going to use him. That was the next king uh, king of Israel. God wants to do that for your life. Now, this is the next thing that happened with him. Now, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, King Saul at this time. This is the king of Israel at this time. Now, it said that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. And after that, it says the Spirit of the Lord left King Saul. So you see, once he was anointed king, once David was anointed the king, the Spirit of God left Saul and went to David from that point because God had rejected Saul. He didn't want Saul to be king anymore. And it says, a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented Saul. A demon came and tormented Saul. And Saul's servant said to him, behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well.'" So Saul said to his servants, provide me a man who can play and well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful and playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and a man of good presence. So you see from this point after that God began to groom David for this position. It says he was a man of valor, a man of war and of good presence. He looked good. So you see from that point he's out of the sh- uh, he's out of the field, he's not watching sheep anymore. He's actually being groomed to be a king. He's a man of war now. So you can see he kind of transitioned from a point over. So a young man answered, behold I have seen the the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. And it starts verse 19. Therefore Saul the king sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David your son who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and skin of wine, a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. Whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him get that, when David sang and played to God, harmful spirits left, things that tormented King Saul, did you know when you sing and praise to God, when you lift up your voice to God, that the things troubling you, the things bothering you in life, will actually lift off of you? Situations that you have been struggling with, you don't know what to do, things that have troubled you for a long time, and it can be anything, whatever is bothering you in your heart, things that, that may have been from the past that now is catching up with you. All he did was pray, and that demon spirit left King Saul. But, it, and the thing is, the, the spirit kept coming back, but as long as David kept singing and playing that spirit left as long as our heart is always set on God and in a heart of praise and a heart of giving thanks to God God will always make sure he takes care of our behalf everything God will take care of for you you don't have to worry about problems because when you praise and thanks God God will put something in you that makes you realize these problems aren't mine to deal with you've got them God and when we thank God those problems come off of us those issues break off of our lives and they don't have to be a part of you Anymore through praise and thanksgiving to God. That's why it's so important. This is why we do this every week. This is why when we come into church, the first thing we do before preaching is thank God for what He's done in our lives. Why? So our heart can be ready to receive the Word. So our heart can be ready to do what God has laid on our hearts. Because if our hearts aren't ready for Him, if we haven't entered into a place of rest, if we haven't entered into a place where our hearts can actually be ready to receive, then how can we expect anything from God? How can God speak to us? But when we sing and we praise, I mean, come on, we all had fun in worship, right? How many of you just felt like a release? like As you were singing, as you were praising God, you just felt a release. It was peaceful. You could feel God's presence in the building. There's not a thing that you're thinking about that's troubling you in life when you enter into his presence, It's because when you're focused on God, he alleviates all stress so he can speak to you, so he can show you the next steps he wants you to do. That's what praise does in your life and why it's so important. So what can praise do in your life? Number one, it can defeat battles. Praise can defeat battles. Number two, it spots you out, head and shoulders above the rest. You may not be considered anything, but through praise, through love for God, You can be God's right-hand man. God wants to use you. Number three, what is it? Number three, demons leave when you praise. The troubles of this world leave when you praise. That's important. And you can see throughout David's life, all through his life, he always remained in a heart of praise. Turn to 1 Samuel 30. This is another story of David. He has a lot of stories, doesn't he? <laughs> First Samuel thirty. This talks about David and his wives being captured. This is when David's on the run for King Saul. So what happens is just a brief thing. Um, right after you know Saul and David become best pals and. and David's following Saul around David ends up killing Goliath And after that Israel begins to love David Instead of King Saul So King Saul is seeing that the praise is no longer going to him No one likes him anymore Everyone's liking David But the reason for that is because David was, David was anointed king So people were naturally drawn to the Lord's anointed Rather than the old stuff So you see Saul's like in the sideline Everyone's looking at David So Saul gets mad and chases David out of Jerusalem And tries to kill him so, David's now out and by, like, no, well, he was by himself. So, David went out by himself. And what happens is, all men saw David and what he was doing. And because it was people that were in debt, greatly distressed, and were looking for something, went out and followed David because they saw David had something on his life that King Saul didn't have, that no one else had. So, they go out and they follow David because they see David's actually doing something pretty cool. So, they go out to the desert, follow David. And now you have David and what is called his mighty men. So David and his, um, all of his people, there's about 300 of them, I think, are out there with him. And they go and they fight this tribe off. And, you know, this is kind of like a community. They kind of started their own thing. They have wives. They have children. And David kind of has his own encampment out here in the desert and in the rocks. And they go out to fight this tribe And in the meantime, what happens is another tribe comes and takes all of David's um, wives and children and all of their spoils. So you see that they take his um, stuff, and when they get back, all of David's men get back. When David gets back, their wives are gone, their children are gone, and they're looking. Someone took them all, all their stuff, all the wives, all the children, and now they're all mad at David because David's sending them out to go fight this tribe. So now these men are ready to kill David. These men are ready to say, okay, let's stone David and get rid of him. Did you see what he just did? Now all our, our wives are gone. Our children are gone. Our stuff is gone. All of these things we've been doing out here in the desert with David for nothing because now we got like, everything's been stolen from us. So they're out there in the desert, and all their stuff is gone, and you see that after this point, David, what he does, it interests me. He actually goes to God, and it says he humbled himself before God. Let me find it. Verse 6, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter towards his soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. So you see right after this point, when people were ready to kill David, when people were ready to stone him and get rid of him, David, what did he do? He went to strengthen himself in God. He took himself and put him in a position of praise and thanksgiving like we've seen him do his entire life. Where he once was in the shepherd, now he's ruler over 300 men. Where he was once just a little boy praising God, nothing changed. His circumstance, just because he's in a better position now, his circumstance in life never changed. He's still running back to the presence of God for his answer. He's still running to God thanking God that he's going to take care of the problem. When he was out in the field watching the sheep, and now that he has his own man, nothing changed. David is still running back to God. So what does David do? He strengthens himself in the Lord. So I imagine he's out there thanking God, writing another song. He actually wrote the book of Psalms. It's the largest book in the Bible. David wrote that. It's completely filled with songs he wrote to God. So, and this is exactly, you know. You see, one man, the thing he's remembered for, his I mean, his entire life was being the best king of Israel and the first king of Israel when he really even wasn't. But because he sang praises to God, he wrote the largest book in the Bible, his heart was for God, he ended up going above the rest, a shepherd boy. So you see, he strengthens himself in the Lord. And from that point, God speaks to him and says, You can take the other tribe. Go after them. So David and his men, he comes out. He strengthened the Lord. I can imagine David's coming out feeling pretty good now that he's prayed, now that he's thanked God, now that he's offered up um, sacraments to God. He comes out and he's like, all right, guys, I got a plan. We're going to go after this man, and we're going to gather all of our stuff back. So you see them. They take off running, and they go and find these men. It says an Egyptian came. He knew where they were. This Egyptian man shows them where... The people, the Amalekites were the people that took all their stuff. And they go after the Amalekites, killed them, they gain all their wives back, all their children back, all of their stuff, and even more because the stuff from the Amalekites. So, what did happen here? When they were in a position of not having anything, where the Amalekites came and took it all. When they followed God's path, when they praised God, when David listened to the Spirit of God, they went after him and they gained more than what they had. When you praise, what does it do? It begins to open up doors to where you may have had things stolen from you where the devil might have taken stuff from you where the devil may have tormented you your whole life wasted time lost things lost homes lost cars you may have seen things taken from you but when you focus your eyes on praising God everything comes back to you and more when you focus your eyes on thanking God and your spirit is focused on God things come back to your life the things that you lost when you praise God have to come back Amen. Praise will bring stuff back into your life, things that you lost. and I'm going to share a story about Jesus right after this, what happened with that. Praise will bring things back into your life. Thanking God will bring stuff back into your life. And the story I want to tell about Jesus real quickly. When Jesus was in the desert, he or outside of the city, there are 10 lepers outside. How many of you are familiar with leprosy? So what it does is it actually eats away at your body. It's a disease that will eat fingers. It will eat toes. It will take things from your body where it's like a modern day AIDS in a sense. So you got to think. So these people are out in the desert. It's highly contagious. It's more contagious than the coronavirus. So they're all out here, and they see Jesus walking out and you, I could imagine patch eyes because their eyes have been eaten now. Fingers are gone. Toes are gone. Big boils are in their face. Jesus walks out and sees ten of them. Because, they are I mean, it was a highly contagious disease back there. So they all actually had to leave the city. They couldn't even be in the city. They all had to live outside. So Jesus sees them, and they go to Jesus asking for healing. So Jesus heals all ten of them and says, Go show yourself to the priest, and he'll tell you that you're healed. So they all run back to the priest, and one of them, realizing he was healed, looking down saying, I'm healed, decides he's going to go back and thank Jesus for what he did. So it says that he took off running, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at the feet of Jesus, and thanked God for his healing. And Jesus said, come, rise, and he says, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Didn't they, didn't, didn't they get healed too? He said, yes, but they didn't come. He said, because you have came back to me, you are not only healed, but you are restored. So what does that mean? because they had leprosy, because they had a disease that aided their body, just because the other people were healed, just because the other nine were healed, didn't, healed doesn't fix the fact that their eyes could be missing, their toes could be missing, their fingers could be missing. But because this other one ran back to d- Jesus and thanked him for his healing, Jesus said, you're not only healed, but restored. So that means everything that was lost before the disease, everything that was taken from this man, whether it be an eye, whether it knows whatever it was it came back to him it grew back miraculously because of his heart towards God praise will begin to do things in your life that you can't even imagine it'll restore things that you thought were long gone it'll bring things back into your life that you thought you would never see again because praise will do something that provokes God to work on your behalf praise will provoke God to come down and make him fix why because God loves praises God loves you praising him. God loves you thanking him. It's what draws it. <laughs> the Bible says that God dwells in the, inha- in the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? When we praise and thanks God, God's presence is here.